Coming to you from USL headquarters, this is Steal Some Time. Here's the USL's Kelsey Steele. Hello and welcome into episode 14 of Steal Some Time. I'm your host, Kelsey Steele, joined by my fantastic co-host, Scott Stewart, and of course our producer, Matt Calvo. Welcome into the show today. We are getting right into week 26. And let me Excuse me, but who's this Scott Stewart individual? Is he not... Captain Skinny Jeans. I just. Oh <laughs> my god. I more just noticed that there was. I got a qualifier, and just our producer Matt Calvo. <laughs> Do we need to start this over? <laughs> I've come to expect that at this point. Fair play. You just can't make anyone happy these days. You guys are I, way I, too I, sensitive. Jeez, all. <laughs> I just want to get Captain Skinny Jeans in there early. Right yeah, I know. He walks the walk and talks the talk. Captain Skinny Jeans over here. These are a little bit of a loose fit today, so I apologize to all those expecting something different from me, but don't worry. Once that H&M check pulls through, I'll uh, I'll come in with some fresh You got you to get the public looks. what they want, Scott. I know. I know. Well, I'm not on camera today. If I was on camera, it'd be full skinny jeans. <laughs> now you know. Moving into week 26, Matt Calvo. Uh, listen, we had a lot to talk about in week 25, a lot of crossed... Um, Social media as well. I think I'll get right into it when um, I say, you know, I, I, I admit that I was wrong and I went on record to say that I was wrong about Phoenix Rising streak um, being snapped in um, week 25. You, you guys are, are, are ruthless. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Um, and of course, I, I paid my tribute to to the Phoenix Rising faithful, and I hope that we can call it even now. Um, got a few messages about um, apparently proclaiming that Tacoma was going to be the next loss. I, I want to make that very clear that that was a, a one time um, that that I went out and said that Phoenix Rising was going to lose. By by no means did I ever say that it was going to be Tacoma, or did I ever think that. Um, want to make that very clear and just. Just to reiterate my video um, that many of you saw from this past week, it'll be the last time that I doubt Phoenix Rising, okay? I think, I don't know if we need to talk about that anymore, but but there's my, my two cents on, on my um, social media <laughs> personal moment from this past week. We needed the explanation, though. It is very important to clarify that no one sitting in this particular room thought that Tacoma would be the team to snap the streak. Although I've got to say, not even in minute eighty. Not even in minute night. eighty last night when I was feeling a little dicey about it. But uh, you know what? Props to you. You owned up to it. You went out on a limb. The limb fell. You hit the ground kind of hard, but you got right back up. You down that sixteen ouncer, and now we're moving forward. All of us collectively. We are moving forward, and I do want to say that there, that was not a dominant performance by Phoenix Rising by by any measures. I um, there there was obviously Sacramento goes ahead early too. So you know I'm like oh my god, am I right? Is, like, this, is, this, it? is this happening? <laughs> am I right? <laughs> um, I. Uh, Obviously, and I think Phoenix Rising's whole thing is that they're finding a way to get it done, and that's what's making them so great. Whether it's pretty or not, they're getting results, and in the end, that's all that matters. Um, but I, I definitely think that they've had much better performances than that one against Sacramento in, in Week 25. Yeah, I mean, I think it just it goes back to what you and I have spoken about really over the last like two months at this point now. 
it's not always the prettiest show, yeah. but the fact that they can show both like the high-powered, high-octane offense and have those nights where not everything goes their way and they still get the job done, like, I mean, how much more motivation do you need if you're a team playing Phoenix Rising than now they're on 16 wins, owning the longest professional soccer streak in history, to our knowledge, um, a significant achievement. A lot of work still to be done for Phoenix, as they would probably like to see this thing doubled by the end of it all. But, uh, yeah, I'm really just proud of you for just stepping out into the spotlight, owning your moment, and now you're able to sit here and say Colorado is going to do it again this Saturday night. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you get into something, though, like that fan thing of do you want to lose before the playoffs? Or, like, do you start having that feeling? Like, are we winning too much? If you're a Phoenix fan? 110%. Yeah, I think there's a case to be made where you wonder if you're using up all of your your good juju ahead of October. Because it works that way. Because it does work that way. But if you allow it to work that way mentally, I mean, listen, sometimes you don't even need to speak it into the universe. You can just exist mentally and then seep into sort of your processes. And, yeah, I mean, it'll be a lot of fun to see Phoenix close out this season, however they close it out. Yeah, it's um, interesting. Actually, I pegged that exact question to my dad, who, has suddenly become a massive Phoenix Rising, Phoenix Rising sensation. Um, <laughs> he's he's now uh, he texted me at like ten o three last night and was like, "How's Phoenix Rising doing? Are they winning yet?" <laughs> and I was like, "Jesus!" Well, they Christ, kick off Dad. in three minutes. So. Yeah, um, we had to get you that ESPN Plus package apparently. So yeah, Dad's fully on board. But uh, you know, I, I went Papa Steele and uh, Seton from the the Dan Patrick show. Yeah, right? yeah. Phoenix Rising, of course, getting a nod from Dan Patrick, who is is my favorite journalist on the planet, and um, of course, Katie Nolan as well. So they're making headlines all over the place. And yeah, Seton knows. I mean, the dude the dude has a Phoenix Rising dollar beer night shirt too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're on board, and uh, that, I thought that was really cool uh, to, to to see that. But yeah, um, I asked my dad if you know. If you're Phoenix Rising, and of course I'm saying this as a, a not optimistic fan, as like what I've grown up to be as a lifelong Cincinnatian, and like you, I asked him this like two weeks ago too. So it's like you know you're 14 wins in a row now. Back in your mind, are are you hoping you lose or at least draw something to just kind of bring you back a little bit? And he was like, "Listen, else you you never want to lose, and they will never ever admit that they want to lose a game." And I'm like. Okay, yeah, I mean, it, it's fair, but I just think that there's that level where you're riding so much momentum that it's it's got – there's so much more weight on your shoulders when you're going into the postseason with something like this on your back. And I don't want to, you know, keep riding on that FC Cincinnati example from last season, but – they had that un- unbeaten streak from May on and just collapsed in, in the postseason, you know? And it's like – it. You may not want to acknowledge that it's something that, that needs to be spoken about, but it it plays a part. It does. I mean, for Cincinnati last year, do you think that was more indicative of Cincinnati sport culture rather than pure <laughs> just FC Cincinnati? Of all days for us not to be on camera. Wow. That's that's really going for the jugular there. Yeah. Um, no, it does. I think it plays a part. And on, I, on the other side, I mean, I, I fully agree that I think that at some point you need a stumbling block. You need something where you can say, okay, wow, that one hurt maybe just a little bit, but it hurt enough to drive us back to yeah. being our best. Whereas you look at some of the runs and in, in some of, you know, like the Patriots going 17-0 and and then the big one, and they blow it. I mean, we've seen this before and even more recently overseas in the 
the Premier League title race last year, just Manchester City be, City having to win like 15 straight to close out the year, but they lost at the right time. For Phoenix, are we approaching a time where it may be too late to lose at the quote-unquote right time, and now you're just thinking to yourself, how sustainable is this? How long can we go? Because I fully agree. I think the pressure only continues to build and build and build and build, and Obviously, they're confident that they have the mentality, that aggressive style of play to be able to continue in this vein. Oh, for sure. Still a lot to ask every single week. And when October comes and you know, hey, if this is the one we drop, it's over. It's a right. whole different ball game. And listen, I'm not saying they need to lose. I'm just saying a draw would, would do some good, honestly. Just something to break up the momentum. Yeah. Yep. Elsewhere in the Western Conference, I think that we have to talk about um, San Antonio's uh, absolute throttle over New Mexico this weekend. A a 5-0 victory for San Antonio, which was massive for them in terms of morale and momentum and and moving along in those standings. I, I have to say, everything else aside, this would have been a completely different game if New Mexico hadn't gone down to me in the 21st minute. And so for me, if I'm New Mexico, I, I roll right over this. I don't think twice about it. Well, and you saw this one firsthand. I was busy filling my duties at Outlang Stadium, just <laughs> south of Tampa Bay here. Uh, we, but, won't, we won't discuss what those yeah, duties were. Yeah, just, just the duties, man. Just leave it at that. It's a skinny um, jean. But, but, but you were on site for this, and I asked you about it Sunday morning. I said, what the heck happened here? Because I just kept checking my phone and just saw, like, yeah. FOP mob after FOP mob alert that just said San Antonio goal, goal, goal. And I'm thinking to myself, am I having, like, some sort of weird technical glitch, or is the universe playing some, like, strange joke on me that I can't be there to see this? And from what I gather, once New Mexico went a man down, San Antonio was just able to roll. And sometimes that's how that goes. Yeah, I mean, listen, this was not nearly as big of a win as social media led it on to be. I mean, it was a... a Is the Reno win more impressive than the New Mexico win for San Antonio? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, I, I think that you have a, a red card in the 21st minute, one that, um, unfortunately, fans weren't given a lot of context around. So I think that was a big part of it, too. I think it was related to language in some way, shape, or form. Um, one way or another, I, you know, no one was really given a, a rhyme or reason. So you, you got that. You're, you're mad about that, as it is. And now you're, you're trying to go down and, and play down a man and... It changes the whole shift of the game. Up until that 21st minute mark, this was an extremely competitive game. Like, I was locked in. I, I, I was ready for, you know, a, a heck of a, a 90 minute or here. Like, it was, I, it was very competitive and very entertaining. And it just, it, it took the wind out of them, you know? And um, I, I, I just, I don't think that this is something that if you're in New Mexico, you are super upset about i mean yeah it's great for san antonio and um i believe san antonio hit a club record that night with 50 wins which is um you know great for them as well but i mean now you look back in new mexico and you're like wow this is you know this really hurts when you're looking at this this postseason push because you've got these clubs in in the western conference race right now that you've got two teams at 35 you've got three at 34 two at 33 two at 32 points so between that fourth place spot and that 13th place spot 
it is a, a race right now. It is an absolute race. So all of these points, they matter so much. So for New Mexico, I know that really takes the life out of you because you went into that knowing you had an equal shot, if not a, a really ability to take three points on the road and then return you're given that card in the 21st minute and now you're you're locked in with san antonio at that you know at that 34 point mark and it just it, it changes a lot you've got that that eighth and ninth spot right now between the two of them and it's these these last you know two months are just every match is so pivotal so yeah for for a red to really um throw off the course of that game i as a as a fan and as an employee of the league i was just disappointed honestly yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think that at some point in time this season we were looking at San Antonio in like 14th and New Mexico in 3rd, and now San Antonio's at 8 and New Mexico's at 9. New Mexico, by the way, winless in their last four. By the time they kick off on September 1 against Orange County, it will have been a full month since their last win in championship play. That's a that's a problem, right? That's an area of concern. And, and we've seen this team be streaky on both sides before. They're unbeaten start, then they dropped one, went unbeaten again, then they dropped four out of five, one, two out of three, and now we're back to winless and four. So a very roller coaster season for New Mexico so far. For me, I'm just really impressed with San Antonio, who has dropped just one game out of their last nine in total. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been a really good run. We're starting to see certain teams really grip on to the latter stage of the championship regular season. New Mexico, although I agree that they can sit here and say, okay, if that game did not play out how we wanted it to, we should be looking at something else. I think the big issue for me is... Whether it was 1-0, 5-0, 10-man, 11-man, that was a loss. That was another opportunity for you to go and help your cause, help yourselves continue to advance, maybe even snap off what has been an unfortunate streak for them. But, I mean, you imagine the road only gets harder for from here, and New Mexico now on Sunday hosting Orange County in a game that's 9 versus 10. Just like you said, Kelsey, we're getting down to like the knit and grit stage of this season where three points is vital, and if you can't get three, you better get one, especially when you're down in that lower zone in the Western Conference where 14 and 7 are separated by four points. Absolutely crucial. It is not a bad time if you're San Antonio FC to have a guy like uh, Christian Parano just tearing it player of the week uh player of the week making a serious case for player of the month right now as well so i mean he is he's really i mean in this month alone and five goals and two assists and um, neither of us decide that yeah yes before the yes. collusion remarks come out neither of us <laughs> have a say in that so just want to clear the air before the air gets murky all right Driving the ratings. <laughs> Driving the ratings. Western Conference continues to be just an absolute confusion play. We really, but I will say it's exciting to be a fan of, of the league right now and going into um, this, this postseason race and really having no idea in terms of, you know, what can happen between that seventh to, to 14th place mark and who can kind of bounce over. Um, but elsewhere in the East, I, I want to touch on, on just a, a few matches from week 25 quickly here. Um, and they're going to, they're going to center around that, that top five. And we've got to acknowledge um, North Carolina's win over Tampa Bay uh, on Wednesday night soccer. And in week 25, listen, North Carolina brought the show. And they they took care of, of a Tampa Bay side that one needed the win, um, and and two 
honestly, I think you look at this matchup and the difference is you have a side in North Carolina that was just finishing its chances. And it's, I I don't want to, to, to continue to harp on things that we spoke about in the past, but Tampa Bay's one issue when they lose, it's not that they were out, outplayed by any measure. It's that they cannot finish their opportunities and, and capitalize when necessary. And I think that's exactly what happened on Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, I think it was probably more just a nod to Supporters Week as a whole that out of the 19 games between Wednesday and Saturday, I think like 15 of them were won by the home sides. Oh, wow. So North Carolina at home against Tampa Bay, completing the season sweep of the Rowdies. A really impressive show. I I had almost as many questions leaving that game as I did North Carolina's loss at Louisville on Saturday. Yep. But you're just seeing the tale of the good and bad of North Carolina FC. The good thing for them is I think we've seen a lot more good than bad recently, and I think that bodes well for a potential postseason run. But it's just so iffy, and they can play up to the big boys like the Rowdies, but then they went and dropped one against Indy 11 at home just a couple weeks ago. So it's just like they're a tough one to really put your finger on and and truly be able to like seek out a real identification or like uh, the way that this team is going to operate moving forward. But I think if you're going to trade a win over the Rowdies at home, you might take a 1-0 loss at Louisville Mm -hmm. and just say, okay, we'll wipe our hands of this week. Let's move forward. It was a busy week for North Carolina as well. I mean, it was a quick turnaround, um, you know, both matches. I think that you look at that Saturday night game with when Tampa Bay returns home and and hosts Memphis as well. They turned around and and made an absolute statement. And and that win was – so necessary um come away with three points and, and not only that but but dominate you know it's, it's a morale booster it's a momentum booster um they had lost three of their last five at that point tampa bay needed that win um is consistency i think has been an issue for this side which I never would have said you know from you know through week 20 do you think that this is what they needed that that 5-0 win over memphis to really turn this around I mean, I think it it helped a lot. It's 14 of 16 home wins, by the way. I just had to get that out there while I was thinking about it. But, uh, I mean, I think that this was the right way to respond for them, right? We've talked about them just kind of being up and down and probably suffering a a couple more losses than they anticipated over the last couple weeks. To be able to go to Charleston and get a 5-0 and then get a 5-0 over over Memphis at home, that's great, but, like, less in the vein of what have you done for me lately rowdies it's more of uh what have you done for me lately against actual teams that stand a chance at you know taking you down in the postseason charleston you might make the case that they could be there against tampa bay for like if they survive the potential play-in round they could play the rowdies then memphis is nowhere close to the playoff line it's great to beat up on the little guys but I'm going to need to see that return to form, that that real impressive um, sort of um, energizing way of playing when they face a top side, and we've seen them lose most of those encounters recently. I think it could change for the Rowdies in the future, but 5-0 is not going to hurt ever. Listen, you'll get your answers this week. They'll get that test um, when when they host Nashville. And, I know, and we'll, I'm so stressed already. <laughs> we'll get into that uh, later in the show. So we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we will get into our uh, social media moment of the week. We've got, we've got a few things to hit on. And then, of course, get into week 26 and our uh, Shots Fired segment. So when you come back, we'll uh, talk a little social media. 
Hey, soccer fans, this is Jeff Reuter of The Athletic, and you're listening to Steal Some Time. Welcome back in to Steal Some Time. And let me tell you, a big week for the United Soccer League as a whole. We announced that uh, there is a renewed part uh, relationship, I should say, with ESPN and uh, a, a three-year deal. <laughs> Scott, Scott's laughing because um, relationship is, uh, from the PR side, is just a, a much nicer version than, than partnership, correct? <laughs> you smoothed that over pretty well. <laughs> Anyways, a, a really great deal, honestly, coming out of this this ESPN. Sometimes um, you don't want to pull back the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, no, in all seriousness, it's uh, it's a heck of a deal, and it's really great for this league. And um, you know, not only are you know we going to be seeing more saw more championship soccer and league one you know soccer across espn plus but we're gonna be seeing more cross linear and espn deportes and um you know it's just exposure it's it's really climbing for this league and it's a really um awesome agreement with espn yeah i think more professional games than any other league currently partnering with espn over the next three years which is i mean says a lot about espn and their commitment to soccer and all the great work that they are doing on their side but the relationship that the USL has formed with ESPN in general is certainly one that has already proved fruitful. And to be able to have them on board for three years and just to be able to guarantee that as the championship and League One mirror growth, along with just the American soccer landscape as a whole, you need something like this as a real stake mm-hmm. in the ground to say, hey, this is a long lasting commitment and this product is only going to get better. Yeah, it's it's fantastic, and the response across social has been really great as well. And um, yeah, I think it's only good to come from positive this. reviews just flowing in. Just just flowing in. You know what else was flowing in this week? An open cup trophy for Atlanta. That was fun to see. Matt Cavill is super excited. Um, yeah, Open Cup, I feel like you always kind of forget because there's just such that break in between, you know, the uh, the tournament, really, in the final. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it, we finally had a victor last night. Uh, Atlanta takes takes it home over Minnesota 2-1. New trophy, who dis? New no. trophy, who dis? Yeah, he needed that. Matt earlier. Calvo and our director of, or our VP of broadcasting, Brad Baker, will never speak again. <laughs> Brad, uh, a longtime Minnesota United guy. So, yeah, it was awesome. A lot of fun. I- shout, shout out for that own goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to say, though, the biggest moment that just absolutely shook social media this week has to be the sudden announcement of Andrew Locke retiring, calling it quits from professional football. And um, I know it's been a really hard week for our Scott Stewart. He not only loves his Colts, but he really loves that Andrew Luck. So just a, a moment for Scott to <laughs> to have his... his we'll, we'll bring in some like nice instrumental music some like sad violin behind it so in light of andrew luck retiring this week it it got me thinking you know there there's been plenty of athletes in our lifetime and in times before that you know everyone's super upset when they call it quits and it's the end of an era in many ways and so it got me thinking what's one athlete that you would choose to come out of retirement any sport at their prime at their prime at their prime the only 
question that I'd like to follow up with is, can I choose what team they play for, or do I have to bring them back and place them on their team? That's fine, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll shake the rules for you. You're going right. through a hard time. I like that, then. <laughs> Sympathy appreciated, obviously. Um, for me, my first thought, like, just based off my childhood, is I would bring Reggie Miller back in a heartbeat just because, like, as a kid, when you, like, vibe that well with a professional athlete and they become, like, like the kid where you're out in the driveway shooting and the only thing you want to be is Reggie Miller, yeah. you know, like, when you're able to identify with one athlete in that way, that was an easy go-to for me. But I think if I'm going, like, all time, it would be really, really hard for me to not bring back, like, a soccer legend like David Beckham mm -hmm. or even further back like Pele, original Ronaldo, seeing some of those guys in their prime and hearing some of the stories that like America as a whole was left out on because we just weren't paying much attention to what was going on in the sport back then. I'd probably opt for original Brazilian Ronaldo and being able to see him in his prime and hopefully for the team of my choosing. That'd be a nice caveat. Which would be? Which would be Liverpool. <laughs> there, I just had to give it to you. Yeah. Um, I love this question. So, like, f obviously, I, I mentioned my dad a lot in this pod. Like, this is the type of stuff that, like, I used to live an hour away from work. So when I drive home, I'd, I'd call him and I'd get in the car, and it would be, like, a different hour discussion over, like, topics like this. So, love that. Um, for me, my head instantly went to King Griffey Jr. Ooh, okay. So as a Cincinnati kid... I was never one to idolize athletes, and I'm still not. Um, it's not not really my cup of tea. But King Griffey was was the kid. Like he was Cincinnati. The you kid. know, like he he's the one athlete I remember growing up that I was like, God, I love him. I love everything he stands for. Um, but I really started thinking more to it. And I'm like, that's just like the cliche choice. That's the easy mm. choice. And ironically enough, when I asked my dad, that's also who he said. So like, that's just too, too ironic. Um, as I got thinking into it, I, I chose Larry Bird. Wow. For many reasons. Um, for me, I, I'm not an NBA fan. I, I'll watch it in the postseason and the playoffs and everything, um, but I'm not someone who's going to sit down. I'll choose college ball any day over the NBA. Um, f the way that my dad talked to me about Larry Bird when I was growing up, I, I personally felt like my generation missed out on a, a level of desire and heart that we don't see today. Um, it, it, he, my, my, my dad would just talk about him being j just an unbelievable passer. Like his court vision was just second to none. And of course, um, the one of these, probably not the greatest shooter of all time, you know, if you're putting him in that conversation with Steph Curry, probably um, would love to see that. And then the defensive mentality is my biggest thing. Um, you my dad spoke a lot about how Larry Bird was the kind of guy who put everything on the floor and ask no questions and you just don't see that in the nba anymore you don't see guys risking their body like that and going after balls and, and throwing themselves around and um i absolutely love that my my other part of that is i know that he was just the biggest trash talker and i freaking love that you know like he he tell his defender like yo i'm about to pop this jay here in the corner watch me boom sinks it <laughs> you know like you just don't see that anymore just the like the raw 
uh, confidence and, you know, now I feel like it'd be taken in, in a different extreme and maybe not looked upon this way. But um, lastly, I think it, I would have loved to see the, the magic Larry Bird rivalry. I can only imagine what that was like as a basketball fan to, to be able to grow up with that and see that. And um, I, I now am like going home and looking up all of the Larry Bird documentaries tonight because I'm just like You're so in, I'm, I'm into it. Um, yeah. So l- long story short, Hall of Famer Larry Bird, I, I would have loved to see. I want to hear Calvo's answer, but quickly I'd be interested. Who would Larry's main rival be? In, be present magic. Day NBA, oh, in, in present, in present day, day NBA. Like if we brought him back and we had Larry Bird in the, in the current NBA scene. Larry Bird would tell you it was LeBron. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure he would. Larry yes. Bird would and tell that's you it's what LeBron. I love. I love that. I love the edge. We just don't get the edge anymore. God, you know? That'd be amazing to see Prime Larry Bird against Prime LeBron. Yeah. And then there was a, there's like a famous quote from Magic, too, that says, like, you know, um, if you, you'll tell me that um, if there's the. The person that I, the hardest player I've ever played against is Larry Bird. Like, no question about it. And I'm just like, for your rival to say that, you know, you're the, the guy. Like, that's, I have a lot of respect for, for that. Larry Bird, yeah. almost an Indiana Hoosier. <laughs> almost? I was, I was Indiana I've been State, fortunate though. enough to, to have conversations with uh, Dominique Wilkins, also. Wow. Oh, wow, that's cool. Human highlight reel. To hear him talk about Larry Bird, like, he and Larry had a, had a really good rivalry, too. Mm-hmm. And but like that mutual respect rivalry, right? Where like when they're on the floor, they wanted to kill each other, but like a lot of respect on them. And and I, I, I'll butcher the story, and I don't want to do that. But go look up Dominique Wilkins talking about his first game against Larry, okay? And the conversation that they had, and then how that game transpired. Funny NBA, like really good NBA story there. Okay, cool. Well, who would you bring back? MJ. Yeah. 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 Duh. I mean. Jordan was transcendent and changed everything. Mm-hmm. Like, and he came. There were stars. There were mega stars. Yeah. When, oh yeah. When Jordan was at his peak, but he was the star. Yeah. Of all of them, mm-hmm. and he changed not only the game but the marketing, the apparel. Like, and there was a reason for that, right? Like, he captivated every. I wasn't. I can honestly say I was not a basketball fan, at least not an NBA fan. Michael Jordan made me an NBA fan. So cool. I love sports. Yep. My my last um, point that I wanted to make on on the whole retirement aspect is um, I think the one of the things that I love the most about um, Larry Bird and his reputation was that um, he he wasn't like friends with these guys. So, you know, you get, I'm a big tennis fan and Maria Sharapova gets a ton of flack because she's not friends with the girls on the tour. And that's like really looked down upon. And I know everyone has their opinion about that. And, you know, she's obviously not in her prime anymore, but I respect that a lot. And, you know, that was actually the biggest point that my dad made to me that he was like, you know, these guys back then, they didn't hang out. They weren't friends. They were, they were competitors and they were rivals. Now you see, you know, LeBron and Dwayne Wade and, you know, all these guys hanging out in the offseason and stuff like that. And he was like, there was just this, this kind of like innate hatred towards each other because in the end they were competitors. And it's just that part of the game that I, I respect a lot. And um, yeah, the, the super team thing wouldn't have happened. In that yeah. Era. Cause even if they were friends, like Michael Jordan, and Charles Barkley were mm-hmm. best friends, Yeah, but that you would have, they would have never teamed up together. Correct. Like that mm-hmm. Because they wanted each to do it on their own, on mm-hmm. their own. Right. 
Yeah, there's room in sport for both. You yes. can have friends and you can not have friends, but if you're working your best competitive edge, then it doesn't matter. Right. I love it. This probably That's a really good topic. Thank you. You know, I'm I'm pretty proud of that one. Um <laughs> I, I, wanna, I do want to touch base on um, week 26. Obviously, we have to give a shout-out to um, Phoenix, who won their 16th game in a row on Tuesday night, which, as we talked about earlier, is the longest winning streak in American professional soccer history. That's a mouthful. Um, you know, you've got – now they're – are they putting themselves in the conversation with, like, John Wooden's UCLA Bruins? That's, like, 88 wins, I think. Um, one in the same, essentially. One in the same. One in the same. Um, of course, you mentioned, um, you know, the Patriots. Uh, you know, oh three, oh four, they go twenty one in a row. Um, of course, I think if you're going to ask Phoenix, they're going to want to put themselves in that conversation. Um, nonetheless, a really impressive feat in the American soccer pool, Scott. I know you got something you want to say. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you have this minute. No, I just think I think it's a really cool achievement. Um, I hope that they continue this run for as long as possible because I think someone in this room went out on a limb oh, about last Christ. month this up again. and said something like they were the greatest regular season team in championship history. Small mic drop. Oh, my God. I can't with this guy. Moving on. <laughs> um we have a Friday night edition of Wednesday Night Soccer on Friday. Whoop, whoop. What's, it na- what's its name? What's this game's, what's it called? It's a large acronym. Um, the Louisville-Indianapolis L- L- Proximity uh, yeah. Association Football Contest. Yeah. Right. LIPA FC. That's what it is. It's back. There's, some, there's something with Mike Watts in there too, right? There's, there's something with Mike Watts. Yeah. 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 Oh, God. All right. So, Louisville and Indy. They're back at it. Um, Illy Illich is facing Louisville for the first time this season, technically. Um, I believe when they tied um, in Indy earlier in the season. He was on the 18, but didn't play. Right. Um, so, and now now he's starting to really get into his groove again. So, I'm, I'm sure he's really itching for, uh, for Friday night. And I think this is going to be a heck of a matchup. If you look at their meeting earlier in the season, this game was dead freaking even. Each each side had twelve shots. Each side had four shots on goal, and their passing ratio was four hundred thirty-seven to four hundred thirty-nine. Wow! Yeah. I mean, and then of course they tied one-one. Neck and neck. So I think this is going to be honestly a really great addition to have on a, on a linear ESPN platform. It's it's going to be a good one. Is this Indy Eleven's first return to Louisville since the four-one in the playoffs? I would think so, right? Yeah, I mean, I think you would know about people, right? So it's it's been a little while since they've played down at Slugger, and it's a, it's a different animal down there, as I'm sure they will remember very well. They went almost, no, they did go back-to-back weeks because it was October 13th was the regular season finale for Louisville, hosting Indy. First round of the playoffs, Louisville, hosting Indy. So it was almost double trouble for Indy. They won't have fond memories of either game, really. Uh yeah, I mean, I think this this game has a lot of potential. More so than anything, though, Louisville needs another win to continue mm-hmm. to push their own momentum forward. Indy has this incredible home unbeaten streak, but with as many games in hand, they could, in theory, afford themselves not winning this game. They won't want that at all. They will want to put a stamp on this, solidify themselves as absolutely 
in the upper echelon, top three in the Eastern Conference. And, yeah, it's a massive opportunity for both teams. It's going to be a great game. And Louisville likes those Friday night games, right? It's If they could choose between Friday night and Saturday night, they'd go Friday. Yeah, I think so. They like that, that Friday evening. Um, obviously, Saturday at 3 p.m. has done them some favors most recently against North Carolina. But, yeah, I think this one has all the makings of a, a potential uh, heavy hitter. You side one way or the other? I sit very evenly yeah, on, of course he the, does. on the fence. Can't wait. <laughs> he saw what happened last week. He want to <laughs> trying to bait him. <laughs> yeah, you want me to go out? Yeah, you want me to go out on one? Um, elsewhere in the Eastern Conference, I do want to bring up uh, Tampa Bay and Nashville. And we touched on it a little bit earlier in the show, but this is all equally huge. Um, you've got two of the top sides in the East right now. 49 points first, 48 points in the Eastern Conference. A lot is going to be weighing on this for both sides. Um, you've got John McCarthy, who is back for his second game. I don't think he even was needed against that uh, the, the Memphis game, but he was there. He he was in goal. Um, he was there. He suited up. He was, you know, we we saw the return. Um, and what's interesting with both of these sides, though, they they're tied for the league lead with Phoenix and clean sheets. Obviously, in a large part to John McCarthy. Um, so you know, it's it's gonna take a. Uh, a little bit of an extra effort for this attacking line on both sides, really. Um, I think that it's, and you look at their offensive production too, Nashville's got 47 goals and Tampa Bay's got 46. I mean, this is a really equal matchup. And um, I don't know if you can, if it's even necessary to choose one or the other between um, Indy and and Louisville and, and Tampa Bay and Nashville. But I think what comes out of week 26 is is huge when we look at this playoff picture and the the rotation in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, Nashville's been really consistent recently. The Red Bulls game, the midweek loss, I think is one that they're just going to want to wipe off the table as quickly as possible. But they've won six out of their last eight. They kept a clean sheet in four of those wins. So Nashville is one of the teams to beat. We just talked about the Rowdies being a little bit up and down. I just want to see this one play out. I would love to get goals. I don't know if I'm going to get mm-hmm. goals, so we'll just see what happens. And obviously this past week, um, you had Forrest Lasso out in that back line, so he'll return this week. Um, and he's obviously been uh, a huge addition to that back line for Nashville. So week week 26, you guys, it's, it's big. It's big. Um, especially in this Eastern Conference alignment. So we will see how that plays out. Um, Matt Calvo, I think that it's time for shots fired. That's a good theme song. We need one. Will you clip that most recent audio from her and make sure that that preludes shots fired every week? Oh, my God. Yes, we will do that from going forward. We have a. We finally have an intro. <sighs> so um, I, I I had a couple of topics and I wasn't gonna pick them. So I'm gonna have one of you pick from uh, sticky folded in half here A and sticky folded in half B. Gorgeous. Someone uh, choose today's topic. It's closer to me. A. Oh. Oh. I just wrote a word on there. You won't understand. What <laughs> uh, so today's uh, debates topic. Ah. Okay. I was at a, a football game this past weekend. And it got me thinking about uh, things that fans do that, um, that that some people don't like. Like, for example, people don't like the wave at games. I only get 30 seconds. People don't like uh, when fans boo. Like, that's, that's a hot thing. Like, people don't like booing uh, at games. So those are some examples. But uh, today's topic is things that fans do at games 
that you would rather they not do going forward? Cool. Interesting. Make sense? Yes. All right, Scott was victorious last week. You have right of first refusal. Do you want to go first? I'm happy to go first. Although I think if I put her on the spot now, I'd definitively win this debate. You so would. We'll, we'll give her a little bit of time. Okay, fair. Sporting of you. <laughs> go. By far my biggest pet peeve, and this is fan behavior at games, outside of games, on social media. Fans who actively root for injuries for the other team and or celebrate injured players on either side – it's disgusting, it's deplorable, it's unnecessary. You're quite literally wishing ill will on someone who is a human being right in front of you because they wear different colors than the team that you like. It's just really disgusting behavior. I think it should be something that is borderline outlawed from in-stadium events. See, sporting this guy. See, like the one I was thinking of is kind of along that same line. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with it anyways. Okay. It's a little different. Um, okay. And this is not just professional, just a preface. I think this is like across the board. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Ready? Yeah. Go. From Pee Wee on, fans should not be trying to tell players what their next move should be on the field. <laughs> like, there is literally nothing that bothers me more in this world than parents and fans and people in the stands trying to direct uh, what route these guys are going to run next or what the next play should be. Like, just sit down, watch the game. One, they can't hear you, bro. And two, they're not going to listen even if they did. So, yeah, like, just sit down, enjoy the game, and have yourself a beer. Wow, came in under 30 on that. <laughs> wow. Uh, so when I'm yelling at the quarterback of my favorite team last weekend that he's open. <laughs> he, he can't he, hear you. Like, he, he can't hear you. You're telling me that, first of all, the quarterback can't hear me. <laughs> and second of all, he doesn't know who I'm talking about. I think we're getting dangerously close to, like, some of the superstitions, though, where sometimes you just got to get it out there. And then if it happens, then you get to be the guy uh, that's like, I, I feel, told you. I told you I he was right. I feel like if I know he's open, my quarterback should know that he's open. I agree. And he probably does. Hopefully. You don't know my quarterback. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so that – wow, that's tough. Good, they went two different takes. routes, too. Yeah. Good, good takes all around. I'm, I'm impressed. Um I don't know. I, I, I got to feel I, I, I do maybe because I do what Kelsey is um, complaining about. And I really don't like what Scott doesn't like. I think I'm going to have to lean towards Scott on this one. <laughs> to be fair, there is some recency bias having watched half of my city. It's boom, a little raw. It's quarterback it's a little off raw the field for you right yeah. now. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So in, actually, with, with sympathy. <laughs> I get So much sympathy for Scott this episode. With the sympathy factored in, uh, Scott is the winner this week. Thank you. Are you going to tell us what the other option was? Uh, well, I was going to keep it folded and use it potentially for next week, but since Scott already opened it, oh. I'll, uh, I'll tell you. It you was, can keep it. You can keep it. You, you can keep it. Yeah, no I mean, one like, knows what that means. We don't know. Like, okay. Buzzword right. is? B, B's next week, everyone. Option B. The word is season. <laughs> the word is season. Season. Ding. You can simmer on that. <laughs> week 26 is headed our way, you guys. A Friday night edition of Wednesday Night Soccer. Be sure to catch that. Um, it's it's going to be a good one this week. So thanks for joining us. You make it all the way through the episode. It was it was a long one. Uh, we appreciate it, and we will be sure to catch you in week uh, episode 15.